Good morning. It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, January 14th, 2022. I'm Robert Woolsey with Raven News. Yakutat reported one more positive COVID case over the last 24 hours, bringing the total number of active cases in the community to three. All three patients are local residents, two vaccinated and one unvaccinated. Two were symptomatic at the time of testing and one was asymptomatic. One is being attributed to community spread and the other two are associated with recent travel outside of the community. To date, Yakutat has reported a total of 63 coronavirus cases. Sitka is in the middle of the second biggest coronavirus wave it has seen to date, and local medical providers are taking extra precautions. When the Unified Command met on Wednesday, Search Chief Medical Officer Dr. Elliot Brule said that while Alaska is lagging a few weeks behind the lower 48, the highly transmissible Omicron variant is now rolling along in the state, making up the majority of new cases. And while the variant has developed the reputation for being somewhat milder, Brule cautioned that Sitka should still be vigilant to protect the vulnerable. Uh, It is less virulent, meaning it it doesn't make people as sick in general. Although for people that are susceptible, they still can and do get very sick and even deathly sick. So uh, it continues to be a a real threat to human health and uh, Um, especially for people that have chronic medical problems, people over age 65. um, This is a vulnerable group, and it's important that we as uh, as a community protect them. Brule stressed masking around others, social distancing, and washing hands frequently as the most effective means of protection, and said Mount Edgecombe Medical Center is changing some of its procedures to reflect an increased level of caution. We have restricted the use of the um, cafeteria to people who are um, just people who are in the hospital or directly associated with the hospital, and we're not having people uh, congregate there. Our staff in the hospital is using N95 masks for all direct patient-to-patient contact. While the state has not updated its COVID hospitalization count for Sitka in several weeks, according to search representative Megan Bozak, as of Thursday morning, there were three patients hospitalized with the coronavirus at Mount Edgecombe Medical Center. The state of Alaska has contracted with private operators to supplement passenger ferry service in southeast Alaska, But as Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, some say chartered catamarans will only go so far in meeting the needs of coastal communities. The small community of Gustavus near Glacier Bay National Park doesn't have a ferry scheduled until the third week in March. City Administrator Tom Williams says he's been on the phone with state transportation officials pleading for something sooner. We've had a really difficult winter, uh, lots of snow, heavy snow loads on roofs, buildings that uh, uh, have collapsed. He says right now, residents rely on the ferry to drive to Juneau for lumber and other essentials for repairs. Without the ferry, you know, they're not going to be able to do that. The Department of Transportation recently signed contracts with at least two vendors to run catamarans to southeast villages, including Gustavus. Juneau's for-profit native corporation, Gold Belt, will be paid about $5,400 for a round-trip circuit between Juneau, Huna, and Gustavus. That's news to me. I appreciate the effort, 
but I don't know that that's going to be workable for us. Um, I'll have to wait and see. DOT spokeswoman Shannon McCarthy says private vendors are not the agency's first choice. We would prefer to sail with our vessels and with our crews. That's our first and foremost. That's how we prefer to do it. Uh, we've got really talented people. That said, um, we obviously are you know, reinvesting in, in the uh, infrastructure, but we do have older ships, so they're spending a little bit more time in, in the shipyard, um, and they're having, you know, we're having some supply chain uh, issues as well. Recently, the agency said some of the Taslina's certificates had lapsed, delaying its ability to sail. Now it says it's having trouble finding enough crew. So we actually don't have people sitting around at all. In fact, everyone who wants to work is working right now. That's brought skepticism from union representatives who point out that most of the fleet is tied up or being overhauled. Shannon Adamson heads the local branch of Masters, Mates, and Pilots, which represents the Marine Highway's deck officers. So if AMHS is saying that they don't have enough crew to operate the Taslina, then their crewing shortage is much more severe than they've led anyone else to believe. The three ferry unions recently signed an agreement to allow private ferries to call into Haines and Skagway, at least until the end of January, while the state readies the Taslina. But Adamson says this crisis is the product of poor planning at the top. The fact that contracting out is something that has become more and more common um, in, in the three unions' opinion generally can be traced back to deferred maintenance and poor management decisions. The most pricey contracted route will be a nearly $8,000 run between Juneau, Huna, and Pelican by an Allen Marine catamaran. Norm Carson sits on Tiny Pelican's Chamber of Commerce and has been a point man for the village's ferry service. He says the community agreed to forego ferry service in January and February altogether to save the state money. Rather than bring a $27,000 ferry out there, ferry run, we said, well, we'll go without and save the AMH some money. The Taslina isn't an option for that village. It cannot uh, come in there because it uh, will not fit into our dock. A catamaran would provide some affordable passenger service, but Carson says the real needs are in the summertime when the fish processor is running and for people to move vehicles and freight. It would help to a point, yeah, but it's not going to be the, the answer in the long run. Juno Democratic Senator Jesse Keel has been pushing for the Taslina Ferry's return to timely service for weeks now. He says his panhandle constituents say they need to move themselves and freight. It's not one or the other. And so we really have to get the Taslina or some other uh, vessel that can move a vehicle full of freight as well as uh, a bunch of school kids or a family to medical appointments. DOT says it's also finalizing three other contracts for on-call service. Among them would be a $10,000 run by Allen Marine between Juneau and Sitka. The other would be an $11,500 circuit between Ketchikan, Wrangell, and Petersburg. An upper Lynn Canal service by Gold Belt is also being finalized, but that would require assent from the three ferry unions for any sailings after this month. Marine Highway officials say they anticipate the Taslina Ferry should be in action by the first week in February. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. Some medical treatments that were effective against earlier variants of the coronavirus aren't working against the Omicron variant. KTOO's Jeremy Shea reports that among the effective treatments, supply constraints and a surge in cases means there isn't nearly enough to go around the state. After learning he'd been around someone with COVID-19 last June, Josh Walton got tested at an urgent care clinic in Anchorage. He says he wasn't too worried because he's fairly healthy, had been fully vaccinated, and didn't have any symptoms. 
yet. The test came back positive. He started feeling it that evening. My symptoms weren't too bad. I've had much worse fevers. I didn't have, you know, I felt like I was having trouble staying warm, but I wasn't shivering and I didn't break into sweats. I wasn't aching. I was just tired and cold. The coughing began the next morning. By his third day sick, he had headaches too. But he managed to get an appointment for a monoclonal antibody treatment at a clinic in Wasilla. The clinic had him drive into a car canopy for his treatment. A worker in protective gear hooked up an IV bag to his arm right through his car window. It took about an hour, plus an hour of monitoring time in case of a bad reaction. Wake up the next day and felt 100% better. Like, completely better. <laughs> Which was amazing. If Walton had gotten sick today, it's unlikely there'd be any treatments available to him. Right now, the COVID therapeutics are a scarce resource, and we anticipate that that will continue to be the case in the foreseeable future. Jeannie Monk is senior vice president of the Alaska State Hospital and Nursing Home Association. You might have heard headlines that there's only one monoclonal antibody treatment that works against Omicron, and it's in very short supply. But as it stands now, there are four products that the FDA has given emergency use authorization to that effectively treat Omicron. In addition to the one monoclonal antibody treatment that's infused by IV, there are three antiviral treatments. Two are taken as a series of pills, and the third is infused in a series by IV. Alaska confirmed more than 11,000 new COVID-19 cases in the last week. That doesn't count cases found through home tests. Alaska's latest weekly allotment of therapeutics would only cover 1,300 people. And part of that allotment includes treatments that don't work against Omicron, including certain monoclonal antibody treatments like the one Walton got last summer. The state's sampling indicates that Omicron is causing the vast majority of Alaska's cases. That means the treatments that do work against Omicron are in extra high demand. This situation is why the state has its crisis care committee. It met Wednesday, and it's about to release clinical recommendations for who should get first dibs. Jeannie Monk participates in these meetings. So the crisis care committee um, has been reviewing the scientific evidence and, and trying to figure out what, what makes most sense for Alaska. What they will do is provide a prioritization of tiers to outline who will benefit the most from this scarce resource. For most people, vaccines remain a safe and much more cost-effective way to prevent severe cases of COVID-19. In Juno, I'm Jeremy Shea. And that's going to do it for Raven News for this hour. I'm Robert Wolfe. Thanks very much for joining me. Have a good morning.